Thanks for tuning into this week's message. For more resources and information about Cedar Valley, please visit cvchurch.org. I'm going to ask you to flip in your Bibles to uh, Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6. And, uh, you know, we've been going through this series that we've called What the Bible Says, and we've looked at a number of significant things. We started the whole discussion by saying this. Why, why would we even believe the Bible? Why do we even believe it? And one of the things that we, we determined was we don't believe the Bible because something extraordinary was written. Remember this? We said we believe the Bible because something extraordinary happened, happened, and then they went, and then they started writing things down. We looked at what the Bible had to say about the devil. We looked about what the Bible had to say about Jesus. We looked about what the Bible had to say about money. Last week, if you missed it, last week you need to go back online and see it. Dr. Alan Tennyson was here, our guest, uh, a member of our church, he and his wife Rhonda, but uh, Alan, a gifted and talented teacher, uh, he talked about what the Bible has to say about work and how we, how we see work as worship. And so today we're going to continue the conversation. It'll be our last one on what the Bible says. And then next week, you're absolutely going to want to be here. You will absolutely want to be here next week. We're going to start the book of Romans. And I just want to cast a little bit of vision for you, if, you, if I can just get you to think for a minute. Who do you know that you've been praying for? And you say, man, this is my friend. I love them. This is my family member. I love them. This is my coworker. I love them. This is my neighbor. I love them. This is whoever, and I love them. Or this is just somebody, I don't even love them, but I know that they need Jesus. Has that ever happened? Okay. I'm saying next Sunday, you got to have them here. You just got to start praying right now. And you got to get them here next week. It's going to be crystal clear. I mean, crystal clear about what the good news of Christ is. I'm just saying, get them here next week. You show up, you bring them with you. Hey, I'll stop and pick you up. Hey, I'll pick you up with coffee. But you get them here next week. All right. Uh, Let's stand to our feet as we read this. And if you're new, again, just, just a reminder, we say this every Sunday, but, but we always stand up. It's not right or wrong. If you go to church and they don't stand, that's not wrong. It's just what we do. It's a fun thing we like to do because it reminds us this is God speaking to us. I believe, I believe today will be one of the most powerful words we've heard in a long time. I believe that with all my heart, and that is not hyperbole. I believe it. And so we just stand and we acknowledge this is God's word to us. I'm starting in verse 14, Matthew 6, verse 14. Follow along as I read just two verses. If you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you refuse to give to forgive others, your Father will not forgive your sins. Let's pray. So, Father, now what we need is your Holy Spirit. We desperately need your Holy Spirit. We come this morning acknowledging you are the Almighty. You are the great creator. You are the eternal God. You are the all-powerful one. You are the God of unfailing love. You are the faithful God, and we worship you simply because of who you are. We worship you. And so now, God, draw our eyes to heaven. Allow us to see you. Speak to our hearts. Holy Spirit, please, please, this morning, Holy Spirit, teach. Speak to us. Change us. Transform lives this morning, Holy Spirit. We pray in the name of our Savior, Jesus. Amen. You guys can be seated. Hey, we're talking this morning specifically about forgiveness, and I just want to preface it all by saying this. I believe with my heart we have prayed, we have prayed, we have prayed for this specific service, and I believe the Holy Spirit has something to say to us. I believe this will be a very difficult service for many of us, but here's what I believe. I believe that by the end of it, some of us are going to be just completely set free. I think we're going to be transformed. We have prayed that there would just be transformed. We have been praying for you. Our prayer team, our staff, we have been praying for you. We have have prayed that I would not just get in the way. And so I'm saying we should expect something this morning, expect that God's going to really change us. I believe that it will change us as a church, not just you individually. I believe it's going to change us as a church. I don't think it will be easy. 
I think it'll be a bit heavy, but I think it's going to be good, right? So let's start and let's look at this passage. Writing in Matthew now, uh, Jesus is speaking here. And this is a very, the Bible is full of all kinds of what we just call if-then statements. It's an if-then. It's, it's a conditional type of thing. The if is this. If you forgive those who sin against you, if you do that, you've got to forgive them. But if you do, your heavenly Father will forgive you. It's an if-then statement. The assumed then is then your heavenly Father will forgive you. If you forgive, then. And he goes on and he says, but conversely, if, here it is again, this is another if-then. If you refuse to forgive others, then, the implied then, then your heavenly Father will not forgive your sins. It's an if-then statement. Now, this is really important for context. You need to understand who is he speaking to? This is uh, Jesus is speaking, and it's a very well-known passage of Scripture. It's Matthew 5, 6, and 7. It's very, uh, very well-known. Some of you would know this if you're a church kid, if you grew up in the church. If you didn't, don't sweat it, but it's called the Sermon on the Mount. And it's a lot of Jesus, just the core of Jesus' uh, moral teachings. We don't think this is the only time he gave it. This is probably a message he gave over and over and over, uh, but this is part of it. So watch this, because at the very beginning, it's going to tell us who he was talking to. Remember, it's a conditional statement. If you forgive, your sins will be forgiven. If you don't forgive, your sins will not be forgiven. Question, who's the audience, who he's talking to? And when you back up in chapter 5, it starts this passage, Sermon on the Mount. One day, Jesus, he, saw the crowds gathering, and he went up on the mountainside and sat down. His disciples, with me? His disciples gathered around him, and he began to teach them. Who's he talking to? Believers, followers of Jesus. He's saying to you, followers of Jesus. He's saying to me, followers of Jesus. If you're online, he's talking to you this morning. If you, followers of Jesus, forgive people of their sins, you'll be forgiven. Here's the other if then, but conversely, if you don't forgive people when they sin against you, your sins are not going to be forgiven. That's a little tough to swallow. That like, like, that's a hard one for me. And so this morning we're going to talk about forgiveness. I think this is a big deal, and you're going to see why. And I'm just saying, man, can you just hang in with me for about a half hour? Can you just hang in there? Now, this is what's really interesting. There's a, uh, there's a, there's a gal uh, in uh, South Africa. She teaches at the uh, University of Cape Town. Her name is Malike Fori, and she's a neuroscience uh, uh, lecturer and speaker at the university. She's a senior lecturer, and I don't believe she's a follower of Christ. She speaks a great deal about neuroscience, the science of the brain, and specifically how that interacts with how we think, just how we function, how we think, where those intersect. And it's interesting to me that she writes so much and she lectures so much on forgiveness. Like, it's such a big deal that she speaks and writes about this a great deal. And I'm going to start out with her. Again, I don't believe she's a follower of Christ. I don't know that. I don't know her. Uh, but but I, 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 I want to start out with her definition. This is what she would say is the definition of forgiveness. She said it's a shift. Now, think about this. It's a shift in motivation. Where's your heart at? Away from retaliation, but not just retaliation. Also, she would say it's a shift in avoidance. You know what I'm talking about? You see that person? You know they're going to be there. You don't even show up. The whole time that they're in the building, you, you dance around it. Right. She says that forgiveness is a shift in motivation away from re uh, retaliation and avoidance towards, it's going to move the other way, towards increased goodwill for, that, uh, for, the, for the person who's perceived as the wrongdoer. Okay. That's her working definition. I'd say it's pretty accurate. Now, 
I'm kind of, I went to Knucklehead University and so I'm very simple. And so for me, it's more just like this. You don't owe me anything anymore. Like that's just forgiveness for me. You know how it is when somebody owes you money and, and you know they're avoiding you and every time you see them, you're like, you owe me money. You know how that is? And it's always weird and it's always awkward. And now it's just like this. You don't owe me anything. You don't owe me a dime. You don't owe me. You, you just, you quit behaving that way, right? That's the idea of forgiveness. So we're going to talk about forgiveness this morning. But the first thing I want to do is, I, I think there are a lot of great misconceptions. And so the first thing I want to do this morning is I want to talk about what forgiveness is not. I think this is really important. If we're going to understand what forgiveness is, I think we've got to understand what it's not. The first thing that you should know about forgiveness and what it's not, it's not forgetting Forgiveness is not forgetting. There's, there's some harmful little idioms, some little axioms, some little sayings that we have that I think aren't helping us at all. Uh, one of the things that we oftentimes say just, just randomly to people, we say, you know, time heals all wounds. How many of you know that's not true? It's not. Sometimes, you know what time does? It just makes you more bitter. You just hold on to it and it just festers and it makes you more bitter. I, I don't think that's really necessarily true. Here's another one. We say this in the church and if you're not from the church and you didn't grow up in the church, sometimes church folks are just, we're funny, you know, we're, we're a little odd, a little different group. But sometimes we always say this, hey, you know, let go and let God. I'm like, ah, I think I know what's at the heart of that. I'm not 100% sure I know, but okay, let go and let God. I, I think the problem that I have with it is it just oversimplifies things. Right? Here's another one that we oftentimes say, and this isn't just church folks, this is a lot of folks. You know, forgive and forget. Just forgive and forget. And I think what it does is it trivializes the wound. It trivializes the hurt. Forgiveness is not forgetting. First of all, y'all, we're human, and we're probably not going to forget. Like, it's just going to stay in there. Do you know what I mean? If you tried to forget, you probably couldn't. Right? Like, we, we always for, we can forget the really important things, right? Like, August 4, 2005. Am I close? Okay, there it is. So like some of the, right, got my anniversary down. I know that one, right? But I'm just saying, some of these things, you just can't forget them. You'll just never forget it. And so forgiveness is not forgetting. It's not denial. It's not saying it didn't happen. It's not saying it didn't bother you. It's not saying it wasn't real. It's not making excuses for it. That's not what forgiveness is. Look, think of yourself like this. You're a giant cylinder, right? You're this, this giant cylinder. Only instead of being this cylinder made out of some hard plastic or glass or some hard metal, you and I, were these cylinders that are made of like mesh or maybe even a chicken wire, okay? Now think of some great offense. And you think of a great offense like your favorite cookie dough. On, on count of three, tell me your favorite cookie dough. One, two, three. Doesn't matter. If you didn't say chocolate chip, you're wrong, okay? And so this offense is this, is this cookie dough that went down inside the cylinder. And when you do this and you say, no, it didn't, that didn't hurt me, no, it didn't, didn't bother me, it don't, didn't even notice, no, it didn't bother me at all. Listen, that cookie dough is coming out, it's coming out somewhere, and it, al- it always comes out sideways. You understand what I'm saying? When we do this thing like, nope, didn't bother me, didn't bother me, no, no I, I didn't even notice, didn't bother it just that stuff starts coming out sideways. And you wonder sometimes, like, how come I always respond like that? How come I always say that? Why do, why do I do that? Why do I go there? Why do I always get really defensive? That stuff comes out sideways. Forgiveness is not forgetting. It's absolutely not forgetting. Here's the second thing that forgiveness is not. Forgiveness isn't fair. Listen now. 
Forgiveness is not fair. You don't know what they said. You don't know what they did. You, you, you don't know what they said about my spouse. You don't know what they said about my kid. You don't know what they said about me at work. You don't understand. You know what would be fair? I'll tell you what's fair. You say something about me, I'll say something about you. You do something to me, I'll do something back to you. You do something to my wife, my kid, my spouse, my husband. You do something to my really good friend, I'll do something back to you. You hit me, I'm going to hit you. That's what's fair. Oh, Jesus said we're supposed to pray for those who pursue. Oh, I'll pray for them. I pray they have an abscessed tooth. I pray that they have a root canal. I pray they get hemorrhoids. That's what I'm paying for. Everybody, turn to the person next to you and say, Pastor does not pray for hemorrhoids. Tell your neighbor, tell you that. And if you got them, I feel terrible. It wasn't me. I didn't pray for that. Okay? But I'm just saying, it's not fair. Like, isn't that how we feel sometimes? Like, I gotta make them pay. No, 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 forgiveness is not gonna be fair. It's not. I'm gonna tell you something else. Do you know this? Do you know that God is not always fair? Do you know that? Now, I know God is always just. God is not actually always fair. Now, King David, Israel's greatest king, you ask any Jew, who's the greatest king? King David. King David wrote a lot of the Psalms, and we know that. We know that they were specifically ascribed to David. David writes in Psalm 103. Now, I'm going to read you this out of the message. You know that there are different translations of the Bible. Uh, we use the New Living Translation. Some of you grew up on the King James. Maybe there's the New King James. Maybe it's NIV. The message is one of those translations. Now, just so you know, so there's no confusion, all translations say the same thing. Sometimes the way they say it, they just emphasize a different word or they emphasize something a little bit different. Eugene Peterson was the man who wrote the message. Eugene was a pastor. He's a scholar. He's an author. He's a language expert, right? So this isn't just Eugene making stuff up. Here's what he writes in Psalm 103, David speaking. He says, he, he here is God. He doesn't endlessly nag and scold or hold grudges forever. Like you did something and now God's going to be mad forever. In fact, it says, he doesn't treat us as our sins deserve. Translation, God's not fair. God doesn't treat you like your sins deserve. God doesn't treat me like my sins deserve. He says he doesn't pay us back in full for our wrongs. Now watch, because David's going to go to the full opposite end of the spectrum, so we're going to get a real glimpse of who God is. This is what he says. As high as heaven is over the earth, so strong is God's love to those who fear him. And as far as the sunrise is from the sunset, right, as far as the east is from the west, he has separated us from our sins. See, God isn't always fair, and aren't you glad he isn't? Because here's the deal. Here's reality. If God was fair, you and I would get what we deserve. And if we would get what we deserve, you know what? We're all going to hell. Because when you offend a holy God, when sin, you, you, we, we forget this. Our sin is an affront and offense at the deepest level to a holy God. Yeah, we all deserve to go to hell. And God's like, don't sweat it, everybody. I'm not always fair. Okay, forgiveness is not fair. It's just not fair. Now, I'm going to give you one third one, and I say this reluctantly. I didn't even put this in the slides. I'm going to say this reluctantly and cautiously, and you're going to see why. But I'm going to tell you one other thing that forgiveness is not. Forgiveness, now just let me finish, right? Forgiveness is not necessarily reconciliation. Those are different things. See, forgiveness takes one person. That's all. You can have a hard feeling. You've been offended by somebody. You can have hard feelings in your heart. All by yourself, you can forgive them. 
Here's the challenge with reconciliation. Let's just say that every time you see me, you punch me in the face. I'm supposed to continue to forgive you, but guess what? After a while, I'm not going to get within arm's length of you. And some of you have been violated in very significant ways, and you're going to have to come and forgive them, and we're going to talk about how you're going to have to forgive them, right? But reconciliation says trust has been reestablished. So I say this reluctantly because the problem is it's too easy for us when we're humans to go, oh, no, I've forgiven them. We just haven't reconciled. I've forgiven them. Well, maybe not. So it's not a cop-out for us, right? I just want you to know forgiveness and reconciliation aren't the exact same thing. So let's do this. Let's turn the tables and let's talk for a minute about what forgiveness is. I believe this will set a lot of you free today. I believe that with all my heart. First of all, you need to know this, that forgiveness is a kingdom perspective. Now, again, in the church, we use churchy words all the time, and we use churchy phrases, and half the time the church, if you're not a church person, you didn't grow up a church person, you just need to know this. Half the time when we say I'm church people, we don't know what we're talking about, and we don't understand what we just said. So when we say it's a kingdom perspective, what we really mean is this, that forgiveness is thinking the way and behaving the way that God would think. It's behaving the way that God behaves towards us. That's all we mean when we say kingdom perspective. And you'll see specifically why I wanted to use that phrase. In Matthew's gospel in chapter 18, Peter comes to Jesus with this question. And I love this. Peter says this to Jesus. He says, Jesus, how often should I forgive someone who sins against me? Seven times? Now, just so you know the context here, when Peter says seven times, he thinks he just crushed it. He just thinks he knocked it out of the park. Why? Because the Jewish law taught and the rabbis taught three times. Three times and you're good. You forgive him three times. Peter doubled it and added one. And he thinks he crushed it. And Jesus' response to him is, oh, no, 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 no. Not seven times. 70 times seven. Now, just so you know this, when Jesus said 70 times seven, he didn't really mean 490. It's not like we go, hey, 488, 489, 490, we're good, right? Jesus is saying infinitum to infinity. You just keep forgiving. That's what you do. But Jesus, being the master storyteller, is going to tell us a story now. And remember this, just keep this in mind, because I mentioned this a couple weeks ago. In the parables, whenever Jesus tells a parable, almost always one person represents God and one person represents, in the parable, will represent his audience or a specific part of his audience. So one person here represents God, one person represents you. One person represents God, one person represents me. If you're online, represents you. Watch the story that Jesus now tells in response to it. Therefore, the kingdom, see the kingdom of heaven, God's world, God's ways, God's way of doing things. It can be compared to a king who decided to bring his accounts up to date with servants. These are slaves. He owns them who borrowed money from him. In other words, the king is like, hey, all these folks owe me money and I'm going to bring the accounts up to order. So what's he do? He finds a guy who owes him a million. The scriptures say million. So it'd be the equivalency back then, but it'd be a million dollars. Keep that in mind. He finds this guy who owes him a million dollars and he says, hey, you owe me a million dollars. Pay up or you're going to prison or worse. And the guy said, I can't. I There's no possible way. I can't pay you a million dollars. I can't do it. And the king says this. All right, I own you. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to sell you. I'm going to sell your wife. I'm going to sell your kids. Then I'm going to sell all your stuff. And I'll put you in prison until I get what I want. And the guy says, you can't do that. There's no possible way I can pay you. And he starts begging the king. And he says, look, I'll work like crazy. Just let me stay out of prison. Let, let me just work. Let me work. I'll pay it off as soon as I can. What does the king say? You know what? You don't owe me anything. A million bucks. 
Like the king just let it go. He just let, you don't owe me anything. That guy who had just been forgiven a million bucks, he walks out of there. He sees a guy that owes him 2,000, not a million bucks, not half a million bucks, 2,000 bucks. He sees a guy, and in the story as Jesus tells it, he grabs him by the throat and he says, you owe me 2,000 bucks, pay up. And the guy says, I can't pay you 2,000 bucks. I don't have 2,000 bucks. What's he do? He has the guy thrown in prison until they can come up with the money. Well, the people in the town, they weren't thrilled about that. They thought, that's not right. That isn't right. That guy's been forgiven a million bucks. We know the story. He's been forgiven a million bucks. He, this guy only owed him 2,000. He's been forgiven everything. Now he can't forgive folks, right? Well, Jesus is telling the story, and he says, so the angry king now sends the first guy to prison to be tortured until he had paid his entire debt. Now get ready, because now Jesus is going to tell us what the story meant. He's going to wrap it all up, and he says this. That's what my heavenly father will do to you if you refuse to forgive your brothers and sisters from your heart. Ouch. This guy's been forgiven. Okay, now think about it. He's been forgiven a million bucks. This dude only owed 2,000. Okay, we have been forgiven infinity, more than a million bucks. We sinned against a holy God. And he's saying, and now you folks can't forgive other people? Are, are you kidding me? See, this is the gospel message. This is the real gospel message. And we forget this. We think we're going to talk about this in a couple of weeks. We think the gospel message is only about you surrendering your life to Jesus. No, that, there's more to the gospel than just that. The gospel isn't just about receiving forgiveness. That's not the entire gospel. The gospel is also about extending forgiveness. This is the gospel message. You receive forgiveness and now you give it. It comes into you. It gushes in. Guess what? It better gush out. It flows in and it ought to flow out. Here's my question this morning that I think we need to contemplate and that is, how's your flow? Like, how's that going? We receive. We receive all the time. It's gushing in. It is flowing in. Like sometimes Christians, we just get constipated, no? Like that stuff's coming in and we're getting fat bloated with forgiveness and it is not coming out of us. Right? Like that's my question and only you can answer that. How's your flow? Now, now get ready for this. This is what's going to, I think this is what is, let me, let me just tell you this. When, when I give this message, this isn't, hey, this is theory for me. And, 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 and it's also not like, hey, I have this all down. I have struggled with unforgiveness for as long as I can remember. And the last three years were just unbelievable for me. And the last six months have been the most liberating that I've ever experienced in my life. And God has set me free. And I want to share this with you. When, when we see this, yeah, I'll, I'll clap to that. Hey, amen. So this is the question. Listen, man, why is this forgiveness thing such a big deal to God? Why is it such a big deal? Why does he say, I've totally forgiven you? I've totally forgiven you. I've totally forgiven you. P.S. You better start forgiving folks. It's expected. You don't forgive other folks, I'm not forgiving you. Why is it such a big deal? And this is the concept you've got to understand. The reason it's such a big deal, the reason forgiveness is such a big deal to God is because you're such a big deal to God. And I'm talking about you forgiving others. Why is, why is the idea of you forgiving others, why is that such a big deal? Yeah, because you're such a big deal to God. So you've got to catch this. Now, this is Matthew's gospel. Matthew 17. Matthew 17. Jesus says to the disciples, now just take this in for a minute. It's impossible. 
It is impossible that no offense should come. It's impossible that no offense would come to you. Just think about that for a minute. It's impossible that you live your life. It's impossible that you go to school. It's impossible that you deal with your parents. It's impossible that you go to work. It's impossible that you go to the market. It's impossible that you're, you're dealing with a spouse. It's impossible for you living next to your neighbor. It's impossible that no offense would come to you. That's impossible. Offenses will come. Now, I just want you to get this. He says it's impossible that they come to you. But you don't have to take it. You don't have to receive the offense. It's very interesting to me. We live in a culture today where everybody wants to be a victim. For some reason, everybody wants to be a victim. And people, something will happen and people will say to me, oh, I was so offended. And I always think, were you offended or did you take offense? Did you choose offense? Because that's completely different. Now, here's, here's where this will make a little bit of sense for you. This word offense this word offense, this is fascinating. In the original language, it's the Greek, and it means scandalizo. It's where we get our word scandal or scandalizer, right? It's where we get that. It, it means literally to trap, and it means it's something that causes you to trip or fall. Now get ready. It's impossible. Jesus speaking, not, not me. Jesus speaking said, it's impossible that no trap would come to you. It's impossible that something won't come to you to make you trip and fall. It's impossible. And here's what's really interesting. In the original language, originally, that word was used to mean in a trap. It's the specific part of the trap, get ready for this, that holds the bait. Okay, now think about this. It's impossible that no bait will come to you. Okay, so just go with me for this, because this is a crazy example. Imagine that your best friend, it might be, if it is, it's okay, but imagine that your best friend is a fish, okay? <laughs> And so because you're really good friends with a fish, you spend a lot of time in the water. You can breathe underwater now. Just go with the analogy, right? And so you're underwater, and you're with this fish. And this is your really close friend, someone you love. And down comes a worm. And your fish friend is kind of not that bright. And so your fish friend is thinking about going for the worm. i got to see how this translates. I want to see how does this, yeah, the worm, right. How does that translate, the worm, right, exactly. And so you sit next to your fish friend, and you know what this is. You know it's not a worm, you know it's bait. That's what you know. See, what would you say to your best friend? Don't take the bait. Don't take the bait. The offense has come, it's to trap you. Don't take the bait, say it with me. Don't take, say it again. Say it again. Turn to somebody next to you. Don't, turn to the person on the other side of you. Listen to me. Followers of Jesus, stop taking the bait. It's impossible the bait won't come to you. You don't have to take it. Let it go. Don't bite. Let the bait go. And here's why. Because think about this. When you, when you latch onto the worm, like it's you. Who's caught? You are. If you jump into a trap and you take the bait, who's trapped? You're trapped. I'm trapped. Anybody who takes the bait is trapped. That's why you won't go certain places because you know so-and-so is going to be there. You're trapped. That's why when you're there in the building with them, that's why you walk around like this all the time looking because you're trapped. That's why you avoid someone and you don't go to things that you really want to go to because you're trapped. That's why you sleep at night and you think, are they going to be there? Are they going to show up? I hope they're not there because you're trapped. Don't take the bait. 
Just don't take the bait. The offense has come. It, it, listen, here's what happens with an offense. It, it has no real value until you apply value to it. And so now you decide, oh, that was really offensive. That, no, you just took the bait. I say this at home now. My wife is awesome, but every once in a while, I'll misconstrue something she said or something she didn't say. And you know what I'm really working hard on saying? Uh-uh, uh-uh. Am I taking the bait? Do not take the bait. Like, how, how would your life be different if you just said, I'm not taking the bait? I'm not going to take the bait. See, questions to me are really powerful. Questions are really powerful. Here's the wrong question to ask. The wrong question to ask is how much forgiveness do they, do they deserve? Here's the right question to ask. How much freedom do you want? See, that's the question to ask. It's not about how much forgiveness they deserve. How much freedom do you want? See, a lot of us today, I believe, are going to be liberated. We're going to be set free. That heaviness, the sleeplessness, the avoidance, that stuff's going to be gone. See, it's going to be gone. Number one, number one, just know this, that it's a kingdom perspective. That's, that's one of the things that forgiveness says. Man, would we have a kingdom perspective? Would we see offense for what it is? Would we understand this perspective? It's impossible. You're not getting out of here without it. It's coming. Could you, could you just not take the bait? Could you just not let it go? But here's the other thing that I want you to see this morning. Because I'm telling you this, this is, this is not going to be easy. Like, I'm not saying this like this is easy. I'm not saying this like this stuff's easy for me. I'm not saying it like, hey, everybody, let's just go. One of the things you need to know about forgiveness, and I don't have this on my list, it's a process. Very oftentimes, forgiveness is a process, and you're going to work through it. But the reason I bring this one up, it's an act of faith. Forgiveness is an act of faith. You, we have to believe by faith that God is going to allow us. So I want you to see this conversation that took place again. We're, we're going to go back to Luke chapter 17. In verse 1 where Jesus said, hey, it's impossible that offense isn't going to come your way. Right? We just read that. And now in verse 3 he says this. If another believer sins. This is Jesus talking. If another believer sins. And the understood context of this is this. If another believer sins against you. They sin against you. Not, not just that they've sinned, but in the context of what he's talking about, they're sinning against you. They've done something to you. They've said something to you. They've said something about you. They, they didn't do something, and they should have. They said something about a close friend or a family member. If they sin against you, then he says this. Rebuke them. Now, just for context, this isn't the one where you go and put your hand on their forehead and you say, I rebuke you in the name of Jesus. It's not that. That's not what we're talking about. This rebuke just means this. Hey, can I talk to you because... Man, I, I don't know if you meant to do this, but this really hurt me. This really hurt me. And, and, and you go back and you just let them know. You just let them know. Maybe they were unaware. But he says, you go and you, you rebuke them. Then, if there's repentance, hey, you forgive. You forgive. He says, even if that person's wrong, you seven times a day. Seven times in a day, each time turns again and asks forgiveness. You have to forgive them. Now, remember, the disciples came out of this context where they were always thinking three times, three times, three times. Jesus, one time, really? I got to forgive him? Okay, I'll forgive him. A second time? Okay, I'll forgive him. Seven times on the same day? Like their minds have just been blown. How is that even possible, Jesus? How do I forgive them seven times in the same day? How am I ever going to do that? I love their response. And so the apostles said to the Lord, wow, Jesus, that's kind of crazy. No, that wasn't it. What would they say? He said seven times on the same day. So now the apostles say to the Lord, 
Show us how to increase our faith. See, this is an act of faith. Forgiveness is an act of faith. It's going to take faith. I was reading uh, in 2 Timothy, I think it was chapter 4, and he said, in the last days, in the last days, the people are going to fail to recognize the power that can transform them. And I'm saying, I wonder if we have faith to believe that that power still transforms us today. That you just feel, listen, some of you, it's, it's valid. You've been wounded. I mean, you've been wounded, wounded. Maybe it was an act of violence. Maybe, maybe it was something like that. And you do know this, that the closer the relationship, typically the, more, the, more, the greater the wound. Like if some stranger walks by and says something, you're like, Psh, you don't know me. Man, someone close. And you've been wounded. You've been legitimately wounded. I'm saying, would you have the faith to believe that the almighty creator can help you forgive? can heal you, right, can, can, can stop that life of avoidance. Like, I, I think that's in, in, entirely possible today. So I want to give you the, the big so what. You know, we have this saying, sometimes we say hurt people hurt people. I think that's very true. Hurt people oftentimes hurt people. But in that same manner, I would say this, here's your big so what. Forgiving people forgive people. And when we have a kingdom perspective, when we recognize what we've been forgiven of, when we understand the full gospel that then we're to forgive others, forgiving people forgive people. Forgiving people who've been forgiven by God, they have the faith to say, man, I can forgive. I believe, I believe that the Holy Spirit is gonna help me to forgive. That I'm gonna treat this person like there's no debt, like they don't owe me anything. I'm not denying that it happened. I'm not saying it's okay that it happened. I'm not acting like it didn't hurt me. I'm saying I'm making a choice. I'm not taking the bait. I'm not taking that bait. And I'm allow that to just flow through me. I'm gonna give forgiveness. That's our big so what. Now, at our church, if you knew, we say just what Pastor Amos said. Man, don't, don't merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. So our question is always, what do we do? What now? What now? We have the big now what. So the big now what today is this. I want you to begin the process today. Because I just believe, I just know how I am. I just know human nature. I believe that there are some of you who are are struggling with forgiveness. And you're walking in that unforgiveness. And you're avoiding people. And you're trapped. And you're trapped. See, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Man, if Jesus sets you free, you are free indeed. And so I believe that today we can experience that freedom. I believe today you can experience that freedom. I can experience that. I believe if you're online watching today, you can experience that freedom today. You can experience it today. You can begin that process today. So I got a few options for you. We're going to stand here in just a second. We're going to worship, right? But during that time, I, I, I want to give you a few options. Uh, we have a forgiveness prayer that when we stand and sing, I think some of you may want to sit in your seats and just pray. You may just want to pray. Uh, put that forgiveness prayer up there. The forgiveness prayer looks like this. Lord, I forgive. And you're just going to put their name in there. You're just going to, you're going to think on that name. And you're going to declare, Lord, today I forgive them. I give you permission, God, to take the judgment and the bitterness out of my life. You're going to acknowledge that it's there, right? I don't want this in my life. I surrender it to you and ask you to remove it, to heal me where I've been wounded, to forgive me where I've sinned. I choose not to blame or hold the actions of whoever against them. I surrender my right to be paid back for my loss 
by whoever that was who has sinned against me. And in doing so, I declare my trust in God alone as the righteous judge. Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. Father God, bless them in every way. It's hard to be mad at somebody. It's hard to hold unforgiveness when you continue to pray for their blessing. And so I think as we worship, some of you are gonna stand and worship. I think some of you are gonna sit there in your seats. You're gonna pray that. Let me give you a couple other options. I think some of you are definitely gonna wanna be at the altar this morning. I just believe that. There's something very powerful that happens when we change our physical posture. And sometimes, man, when you walk forward to the altar and you kneel and you pray before God, I think that changes us. It's not magic, but I think there's significance. I think some of you are going to want to come to the altar and just let the Holy Spirit speak to you. I think you're going to want to do that. Uh, ushers, if you have them, they're going to bring buckets up. They've got them down here. They've got them up in the balcony. We've got these buckets. Here's another thing, another option that I'm going to give you. And that is this. In these buckets, we have this stock card. You can take one. You can take two. There's a pen in there. I know for me, uh, this was about 15 years ago, there was somebody that I had to forgive. And it was eating me up and I was trapped. And they were no longer living. And so I wrote them a letter. Maybe that's what you need to do. Maybe you come up and you grab one of these cards, grab a couple of them if you need, and just start writing. Just write out your forgiveness. I know you hurt me. It was real. I'm not denying it. It, it, it hurt. It hurt me greatly. It offended me. But today I'm choosing to forgive you as I've been forgiven by Christ. You just write out whatever you need to write out. Now let me give you a fourth option. This church is 69 years old, 69 years old. Been a great church for 69 years. A lot of powerful ministry has taken place here. A lot of people have called this their church home. And we've had some funky stories from time to time. And I know of a family, some of the family came in that door of the building, and some of the family came in that door of the building, and they sat on their side, and they left those sides of the building and I'm saying, if there's something like that going on in the church, listen, I'm all about you being set free, but selfishly as the pastor of the church, I'm all about our mission. And what would, what would the mission look like and how effective would be if we were just totally unified, if we got rid of some of that? And so if that exists today, here's another option. What if you were to go find that person and say, hey, can we step into the atrium? Can we step into the lobby? Can I just, can I just sincerely tell, give you my heart? And can we just have listening ears? Like, what if that happened? Oh my goodness, are you kidding me? What if you, what if you just opened the trap door and you just walked out today? What if that happened in this place? You just walked out like you're freed, right? So I'm gonna pray for you. We're going to stand up. We're going to sing a couple songs. And then don't take off. I've got just one, one last thing for you after. Pray with me. Father, thank you for this morning. Thank you, oh God, for your goodness, for your wisdom. Thank you, Father, for your word. Thank you, Father, for the way that your word speaks life and truth to us. Thank you, oh God. Jesus, thank you that you've come to set us free in so many ways. And so, Holy Spirit, what we need now is just for your working. Just you, Holy Spirit. You're the one who does all the work. It's not about me. It's not about the message. It's not about our worship team. It's not about anything. Holy Spirit, it's about you. Would you turn our eyes to heaven? Would you speak to hearts in the way that you know you need to speak to individual hearts? Holy Spirit, would you do that? Would you heal us? Would you set us free? 
Would there be forgiveness in this house this morning? Do the work only you can do, Holy Spirit, we pray in Jesus' name, amen. 